All right, welcome to yet another edition of No Filter Media. I'm Sly James, co-founder of Wickham James with my good friend Joni Wickham, who uh, is sitting here with me. And we present to you conversations, discussions about various and sundry topics with no particular rhyme or reason. That's what we're talking about from time to time. Uh, We have... Over the years of our experience together, come across many issues that we have an interest in, and that's what we try to bring to you. I am an author of two books, The Passion for Purpose, Building Cities for Our Children, and The Opportunity Agenda, a bold democratic plan to go to the middle class. And we are people focused on policy and trying to do things that make sense in government and outside of government. And here's my good friend, Joni. Hey, everybody. Joni Wickham here, co-founder at Wickham James Strategies and Solutions, and author of the best-selling book, The Thin Line Between Cupcake and Bitch, and um, excited to be back here with you today um, and with Sly chatting about a little issue that we're pretty passionate about. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, genuinely concerned, uh, and it might be a factor of age because I've actually lived through probably more political changes and ebbs and flows than people younger than me, but there's a lot of people my age who may be listening as well. I'm concerned about the state of our democracy. In particular, I'm concerned about the state of our democracy as it relates to voting access and how people vote based on what. And I'm concerned about the fact that we seem to be so imbalanced in our politics right now that, you know, we seem to bounce from one extreme to the other and seldom set in the middle. So I've racked my brain trying to say, what is it that's going to change this? What's the catalyst that's going to change this? And one thing I do know, that to the extent that voting rights and access to voting are eroded, then we will be going in absolutely the wrong direction, more towards extremism, less towards moderation. So one of the things I want to talk about is how do we change it? How do we change the landscape? You know, should we be looking seriously at things like open primaries, ranked choice voting? Are there other issues out there that could help with that? Uh, Because I'm concerned that on the path that we're going from a political standpoint, we're going to do serious harm to ourselves. And I think that is absolutely stupid to squander what we have uh, by extremism. Yeah, I think partisan primaries are crap. Um, And I think we have gotten to a point in this country largely due to social media, um, also due to, um, I think, um, the assumption that you have to be bombastic and um, more focused on clicks and getting um, public attention for whatever crazy reason than actually focused on public policy. Um, I think partisan primaries make folks on both sides of the aisle pander to the extremes. Um, And that is not a good place to be for actually solving major public policy issues, which our country is definitely facing. It's also not um, a good place to develop any compromise. Um, And it's not good for democracy, I don't think. Well, I agree with you. And I think it's really the, the, the partisan primary doesn't just put the candidate in the position of pandering to their own. It also puts them in the position of trying to destroy 
those who aren't their own. Yeah. You know, it is hard to see a campaign that doesn't somehow turn on, I'm a good guy, that other person over there sucks. And here's why they suck. Mm-hmm. And then they spend a lot of time telling you why they suck. And then they end with, and I am a member of the NRA and I ride cattle and all those other things. That, and here's my big machine gun. And bingo. <laughs> uh, lots of them, yeah. you know, in, while I ride in a police car. Um, but, uh, oh well, we'll pass on that. But at the end of the day, we set up a system that is divisive. Uh, we don't talk about. Uh, the things that are good. We talk about the things that divide people so that we can get all those who are on our side of the divide to vote for us and all those who are not to, we villainize and say that they are somehow, um, I don't know what, but we certainly don't give them a whole lot of compliments and we don't try hard to see compromise. So the, the idea of partisanship in all of its forms and variations per se is competition and it's competition for votes and it gets vicious. It kind of reminds me of what happens in soccer matches in the, uh, in Britain and Europe where literally if your team loses, you may see a riot in the street. Yeah. That's the type of stuff that we've have going on now. And I think January 6th proves exactly my point taken to an extreme. And I think if people think that those types of activities are not going to happen again, you got your head in the sand. It will not happen again as long as there's something done to stop it. But the main thing that has to do to stop it is there has to be a different way that we approach governance and politics in this country. Yeah, I think we, many of us take for granted our democracy. Um, democracies over time have risen and fallen. and just, All of them. Yeah, that's true. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think we have to be careful to um, protect the democracy um, that we have and our democratic institutions. You know, this whole concept of American exceptionalism has gotten so far into people's heads that they think that we are immune to the forces of history that have brought down other great civilizations. Mm-hmm. We are not immune. In fact, we are on the page to fall in the same way that other uh governmental systems have fallen in the past it's just slow motion and since you're living it you don't necessarily see it but when you take a historic view the rise of autocracy is the antithesis of democracy and autocracy is rising not just here but around the world this is a new wave of anti-democratic thought anti-democratic action and people wanting to hang on to power at all costs uh, so that they can rule forever and benefit themselves and suck the riches out of a country and leave everybody to fend for themselves. Uh, Russia with its oligarchs has no real impact on people who are striving at the lower levels. And there are people in this country who like that because they see themselves as an oligarch as opposed to the people striving on the lower level. Yeah, there's the oligarch thing, which you're certainly right about. And then there's also folks who view politics as a blood sport. Yeah. Like, literally, like, do harm to your enemy is something that we hear from folks these days. It's it's crazy. Well, it's not just that. What's really funny is rather than talk about policies that uh, you think have merit what you do is you criticize the other side for uh, what they've done if there's a failure it's the other side's fault 
Um, it, it, it's also a situation that uh, is the antithesis of uh, finding sustainable solutions to chronic problems. Uh, chronic problems are chronic because from administration to administration, uh, whatever programs were in place to address those pol- those chronic problems get changed, shifted, and altered by people coming into office. So it's really more focused on them. I, I like the concept of open primaries and ranked choice voting because I think it would force people to get away from this idea that for, in order to get elected, I only have to talk to these narrow band of people who will vote for me. And I can make sure that I'm only talking to those people by gerrymandering the districts or the areas that we live in so that I'm only talking to those people who will vote for me. But that's not good government. That's imbalance. What we need is to be able to put them in a situation where they have to talk to everybody and explain it to everybody. And I guarantee you that would moderate their views and their expressions and all the things that they do. Yeah, and I think the open primary ranked choice voting system that you're talking about also does another thing which would be helpful to our democracy and that is to make candidates be dependent on people who maybe they don't agree a hundred percent on everything uh every issue that they believe in but you have to build consensus with enough um uh, of other candidates voters to be able to make it through well and you know the thing about it that's really somewhat interesting we found this out And we knew this intuitively and we knew it practically when we were in office that you start off with an idea that you think is pure. And then you have other people who look at the idea and say, "Eh, it's not that pure. There's a flaw over here and there's a flaw over there. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, if you want the idea to have success and longevity and practicality, then it needs to be subjected to scrutiny before it becomes reality. And that means that if you are listened and open to it, you can reshape your idea or vision in such a way that now it accounts for a bigger part of the population and solves more problems for more people. And that's what government's supposed to be about is solving problems for people and doing things that are in the public interest. It's not supposed to be, find me a way to get reelected to my next position or to move up the ladder. So I, I, I think that the open primary ranked choice would produce more public servants and less politicians. Yeah. And I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, we could deal with more than that. Um, I do think the um, election system is one thing, um, but another issue that we have to um, do something about is voter apathy. People just don't vote, particularly in municipal elections, as we saw. You know, we used to celebrate when we'd have 13% voter turnout. Um, yeah, don't get me started on that. Yeah, so we've got to make sure that young people also um, understand that being engaged civically is more than being on Twitter um, and taking pictures with people. Um, you actually have to register to vote, which is not easy in all states, <laughs> Missouri included, um, and uh, actually turn out to vote in every election. Well, I agree. It's not always that easy, but it's not brain surgery either. It takes a little time and effort. And if you really think that it's important, you'll put in that time and effort. The problem that I see is, is that we have gotten away from the idea. First of all, we have 
we have been unable to distinguish politicians from public servants, and therefore everybody's a politician, and most people don't like politicians, and therefore they don't think that their needs are going to be met by politicians, so why bother to vote? My life hasn't changed by voting for that person versus the other person. They all say they're going to do something that doesn't get done, so they've lost faith in government to some extent. But to some extent, it's their own fault. Mm-hmm. It's their own fault. You, you you watch a commercial on TV and say, oh, I like the fact that that guy's got an AR-15. He's out shooting up stuff. Doesn't mean he's a worth a damn when it comes to public policy and governance. Doesn't even mean he knows how a bill becomes a law. Exactly right. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. But this is another one of those American exceptionalism things in my mind. We've told ourselves how great we are for some reason that we kind of think things move on autopilot. And it's like anything else. By the time everybody realizes that we've missed the boat on being engaged in a meaningful way in our civic structure, our governance structure, it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's too late. And one of the first harbingers of that is, where do they teach civics in school anymore? Mm-hmm. I used to have to go to a civics class. I learned the difference between local government, county government, state government, and, and, and the federal government, what the houses were. I'd be willing to bet you if you walk down the street, the first 20 people you ask, oh, oh, ask who was the vice president of the United States, you might get seven or eight. I'd be willing to bet. And Lord knows. Ask them another question about name the three branches of government and what do they do? When you are ignorant about what the system is, then you have no reason to participate in it. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of people who are ignorant about what the system is. Yeah. And then we have a whole bunch of people who are just too damn lazy to get their butts off the couch and go vote. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, on. people. I don't mean to paint with a broad brush, but damn it. Look at the numbers. It's true. Yeah. Um, on your point about American exceptionalism, I, I can't get past um, the feelings that if you don't love everything about the country as it is today, you're not American because every country has things that they can do better. Every institution has tweaks that you make through it over time. Doesn't mean you don't love it. Doesn't mean that you're not patriotic, uh, patriotic. Um, it's, I don't know. I think it's dangerous to think that if you make any tweaks to any of our systems or int- or institutions, you're not American enough. Well, you know, I grew up in the era of the Vietnam War when it was America, love it or leave it, if you were protesting yeah. the Vietnam War. And when I put on a uniform in the Marine Corps and I came back on leave, I'd be greeted on one hand by people who were super patriotic, wanted to buy me drinks, and by the other hand, on people who wanted to beat me and call me a baby killer. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> We should be able to have those discussions without going batshit crazy, okay? Uh, at the end of the day, this country has problems. Here's, here's a perfect example. Uh, there are people who, A, don't know what critical race theory is, but they sure don't want it in these schools. So basically, we only want to tell the story that meets our own vision of what the United States is. We don't need to talk about slavery. We don't need to talk about how long it took for women to get the right to vote. We don't need to talk about the collection of money and what it's doing to the middle class. We don't need to talk about any of those things. Just talk about how great America is and be happy with that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there are no problems, so there's nothing to solve. Vote for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, or don't talk about the fact that there's a shit ton of people out there in America who can't afford health care. Basic health care. Can't afford a lot of things. Yeah, college. One of, the, one of those chronic problems that we're talking about. And here's the problem with it. The issue of health care has been around for a very long time. But when somebody introduces some program bill or something to fix it, the other side immediately tax it, attacks it. And then they try to get rid of it. But they don't substitute a better program. Right. They just try to get rid of the old program. And at the end of the day, what they're really saying is, hey, American people who don't have health care, we really don't give a shit about you. We don't want this other guy to succeed because if he succeeds and you like what he's doing, you'll reelect him. And we don't want him to be reelected. We want us to be reelected so we could do nothing or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, we put our heads in the sand about all sorts of ills and problems. You know, and we, we, every time there's a mass shooting, we offer up prayers and condolences. You know, pretty sick prayers and condolences. And I have yet to see a prayer or a condolence bring back a kid shot in the head at a school or people at a concert in Las Vegas brought back to life or able to walk again uh, as a result. But we know there's a problem. We know it should be done, but we won't do it because it's not popular and it's too concentrated. The power is too concentrated. The money is too big. So, you know, I, I believe that this is and still always have. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have put myself in harm's way in the Marine Corps uh, if I didn't believe that this country was worth every minute of it. But I am not stupid, and I'm certainly not naive, and I'm not going to lie to people and say this country is perfect because I've seen the imperfections up close and personal. And the people who want to perpetuate those per imperfections for their own gain make me puke. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, let's not puke, though. Yeah. Okay. Let's clean up the puke. Well, at any rate, everybody talks about the fact that they don't like the way the country is going. You know, that's pretty common cocktail chatter. On both sides. On both sides. Yeah. I'm, this is a nonpartisan rant. There is no perfect party. There is no party with all the answers uh, the all the answers lie in some sort of a collaboration between the parties, which is not going to happen. Uh, so you're forced to pick a side one way or the other. The only way these things get done is if the American people get off their asses and demand that we do something different that's going to have a material positive impact on their life. I'd like to see a United States, a universal American Citizen Satisfaction Survey, just like we did in the city. I'd like to see what that looks like. I'd like to see that run for two, three, four years and see if the issues that bubble up to the top of that satisfaction survey remain the same. And then I'd like to see if government would use their head, look at the results of those citizen satisfaction surveys, and allocate governmental and personnel resources to those problems that the citizens of the country identify as the top five things on their list. Maybe then we might get somewhere, we might get some consensus, because it's in every party's best interest to try to at least look like they're doing something that's going to satisfy the citizenry to which they're supposed to be beholden. Yeah, and that's different than a poll, because a political poll um, is only geared towards likely voters. Yeah. And so what you're suggesting is 
just the average American. Yeah. Yeah. Shows up in your mail, on your in, on your inbox, and you take 20 minutes, half hour, and you sit down and say, yeah, infrastructure is really important to me. Um, Transportation is really important to me. Uh, I'm not satisfied with health care. I'm not satisfied with child care. I'm not satisfied with whatever. Um, and gather that information, have it analyzed by people who know how to analyze data, and then let's make some decisions based on facts and data rather than politics. That would be a good thing. And it's something that is unassailable because if you have the facts and the data to lead you to a certain point, and that means you can support the decisions that you made based on that facts and data without making it a political issue. And it should be something that either side should be able to rally around. Although you would think that the facts and data around gun violence and, and, and those types of things would lead to a conclusion too, but it hasn't. But on things that are less politically charged, I think it would make some difference. Yeah. Uh, and it would also allow citizens to hold their elected representatives, particularly on the state and federal level, more accountable because right now they don't. Yeah, that's true. Well, and to our previous point, people don't necessarily pay attention either. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that there's always a different hierarchy of needs depending on your personal circumstances. If you're trying to struggle to put food on the table, it's probably not going to be at the top of your list uh, to engage in meaningful political discourse. You're too busy trying to survive. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the problems. We have too many people who are in the position of having to work hard or do things merely to survive. And on the other hand, we have so many people who just keep getting richer and richer and better and better with no threat to their survival whatsoever. And the two extremes are growing further and further apart. We should take note of the history of France. When the two extremes grew so far apart, it was Viva la Revolution. Although I think that's Spanish, isn't it? Sounds French to me. Well, what you do don't know? know anything about French. <laughs> what do I know? Yeah, but at any rate, it, you know, if things get too bad down at the bottom, they're going to start to resent those at the top. And the resentment often, particularly in a country that has more guns than people, that resentment can turn violent in a heartbeat. We saw that on January yeah, 6th. I mean, it already has. It already has. Yeah. And it's going to happen more because we find more ways to divide ourselves and fewer and fewer ways to point out the common commonalities between us. Yep. So, folks, let us know what you think. Uh, WickhamJames.com. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on how we can actually find more commonalities between us um, and less polarization. And we'll see you next time. Amen. Thanks a lot for listening.